the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Hope you're doing very well today. I'm your host, Paul Spain. I'm John Lai. Welcome along to the show, John. It's been uh, it's been quite some time since we last podcasted together. Quite some time. I mean, it's been seven years. <laughs> it's been <laughs> surely not. Surely not. Ah, oh, that's yeah, it's, it's it's terrible. Um, well, I guess we haven't we haven't caught up in a while um, because you've spent a bit of time overseas. But maybe you can yes. uh, remind listeners where you fit into this uh, this world of, of tech yeah. and digital matters. Yeah, I mean, before before I left. Um, you know, to Asia, I was running social media NZ here in here in New Zealand. So basically, in essence, what that publication is is to humanize digital uh, to the everyday consumer, trying to make sense of digital and technology and how you know how does that impact the lives of the you know it impacts the life of everyday users. Mm. Um, and then that became you know a, a beast of its own, and then and then basically kind of. In four years' time, grew it to grew it into quite a substantial kind of entity, and then decided to go. You know what? This is great. Time for a new um, new challenge. So sold it off to a digital uh, agency here in New Zealand, and then decided to then pack my bags and go. I need more. You know, more experience in my life, and went to Asia. Started in Malaysia. You know, went through went through the you know the the, the main. Uh, Asian centers so Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong. Did a little bit of time in China, uh, and then came back to Singapore. Did a little bit of time of in Philippines and in Indonesia, just to kind of working. It was working predominantly with agencies, so creative agencies like your Ogilvy, uh, your publicists, all that, as a more of a senior strategist. So it's looking at a brand perspective and how do they operate in today's world. Because I realized that when I was running social media and that I was looking at a very, very tactical point of view uh, as digital. But I think what I needed out of my growth, I think professionally and personally as well, is that I need to look from how a brand operates financially and also as a brand that talks to the consumers and all that and at a much more broader perspective yeah and then how how and then how do you translate down to a comms to to more of like you know how does the product of that brand kind of fits in the everyday lives of the person and of course you know we're seeing just you know continual um you know development and iteration of of all things uh digital and and tech related um you know yes it, it just doesn't stop right now a couple of things we've talked about in the past on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, iFlex uh, and Grab. Those are two services that you know you've tr- you've tried out. Yeah. Um, now I've, I haven't tried uh, iFlex. I think when 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 I first came across it, I think um, it would have been in you know maybe one, two, or, or three different markets because they're they're headquartered in um, Malaysia is that right yeah yeah so um, my my recollection of it was you know iFlix was very much taking sort of inspiration from Netflix but really making it relevant to um, to the countries in which it was was launching in and you know for instance you look at Malaysia uh, you look at it in Indonesia where I think it operates too 
um, you know, you've got quite different economies, and yes. so the idea of of paying, you know, what we pay in in New Zealand, I don't know, you know, um, twelve to sixteen dollars, roughly. Um, I can't remember exactly what the, what it costs <laughs> yeah. these days, but you know, we've got varying streaming services sort of sitting in that twelve to twenty dollar a month type range. You know, that wouldn't fly in those sort of economies. And yeah. you know, I even remember we, uh, yeah, I spent quite a bit of time in, in Singapore at one point, and I remember that you know that one of the things to do would be to uh, to cross the border from Singapore into Malaysia, <laughs> suddenly everything was half the price. Now, I, I, you know, I'm sure my memory's a little bit rough, and it wasn't yeah. quite as simple as that. Um, but certainly, you know, the the, the price of a uh, a meal was basically sort of you know half the price once yes. you, once you cross the border. Um, you know, the Singapore prices were, were weren't too far off New Zealand prices. Yeah. It's, know, it's very competitive. A lot of, a lot uh, of stuff, the Western right? Countries, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so you know, I guess you you look at uh, iFlex. Yeah. Uh, a, as an example, they they basically had to do something that was really going to work with that econo- with those yes. economies in mind, with the fact that yeah, you know, people are very used to sort of you know pirating um, you know streams from cable TV or satellite TV or whatever, take it, slice and dice it up in, in varying ways or, or rebroadcast it to the whole neighbourhood. So it had yeah. to be very uh, very competitive on yes. price. So yes. You know, you've used Netflix and so on. So, how did iFlex actually com- compare? Was it a very, you know, good, strong offering? As they, they seem to, have, you know, att- attracted a lot of attention. I think when when Netflix went into Asia, they came with a, almost a prepackaged plan. Like mm-hmm. this is this is the the action movies. This is the comedy that we already bring from the US. Which works, and then that's something that Asia loves, you know, which is Western uh, content. But what I think, as I think, as consumers start becoming smarter, as you know, with that part of the world, you know, mobile access is high, you know, is the most is most highest compared to any parts of mm. the world, right? Because often that that's been the first device exactly. someone's accessed yes. the internet from. It's not their, right? se- it's not their second. They haven't screen. had dial-up. Yeah. They haven't had this. They yes. haven't had that, and they can't necessarily, you know, afford to be. Um, yeah, owning another device that gives them internet yes. access. I right? think what is key with iFlix is specifically in tune with culture, and what I mean by that is that they understand inherently because there's there's three types of cultures in Malaysia. You got Chinese, you got Indians, and you got Malay. So these are the three pr- predominant uh, uh, cultures, religions that kind of navigate Malaysia. So what iFlix did really well is understanding the nuances of each of these specific cultures. And then they take it on board and go, hey, what are some of the content can we find to give back to these people? And that is why iFlix took off. It's, they did nothing revolutionary. They did not, you know, they didn't create a, a a software that is amazing. They basically listened to its customers, and they knew that yes, Western Western offering will always be there, but these consumers demand more because with access to their phones now, they have the right to demand more. And iFlix kind of go, okay, we know what you want. We know what the other group wants, and we know what this group wants. So they just gave all three. Um, um, uh, groups the specific content that is tailored language yeah, and, and and because of that they, they became what they are now so it's a, it's a good example because they, they seem to hold a pretty you know solid um, you know mar- market share um, you know w- yeah. with it, within those markets but it's you know some of these things can be a good example for us here in New Zealand yeah. where 
um, yeah, to to a to a you know, pretty fair degree, we're we're seeing the market dominated by the yep. go, global players. Yes. You know, Netflix, in time potentially Amazon and so on. And um, you know, look, it's really hard to know how it's going to play out. Yep. But uh, you know, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense for local entities to use their local knowledge yes. and. And differentiate, and and uh, you know, as, as you know, part of its timing. Obviously, you you know, if you would get into a market well, well ahead of Netflix, yeah. and you do very well, yeah. um, then then you could do well. We, you know, we saw Trade Me with that versus sort of eBay. Yeah. They got in at the right time. They executed well, and they made it quite hard for you know for, for eBay to really uh, you know grow grow up um, an effective. Uh, market share within yeah. within New Zealand. Now that that's changed in, in some ways in in recent years, but they, they still mainly hold yeah. on to uh, onto that. Now, what about um, sports streaming? Because that's something here in New Zealand. We, you know, we've seen varying sort of you know a- activities, and we've yeah. seen Coliseum. And I, I saw um, uh, a connection request from um, Coliseum, who you know originally they came into uh, New Zealand. We're, we're doing um, you know sports mm. streaming. Their CEOs now ended up doing the um, the rug- rugby pass. Based um, based in in Asia, I saw yes. a connection from him um, the last couple of days. Mm. So um, I haven't you know delved into exactly what that looks like, but you know what uh, what did you notice was happening on the sort of sports streaming basis? Was that something iFlix was involved in at yes. all? Or? No. So funny enough, so they sign a a contract with the I think the Malaysian Football League if I'm correct if Mm. I'm not wrong and that is to stream their live matches on iFlix so that is specifically as an offering to Malaysians now as we know that iFlix is regional uh, I think they're just kind of going into this route to see what other opportunities they can do from a sports stream because Asia as you know is is football soccer mad so I think for them they're trying to figure out what are some of the ways to take the monopoly out of uh, I think it it is now Fox Sports in in Asia right right you know so a lot of these entities are figuring it's not as far as I think as New Zealand with Rugby Pass Coliseum or even like in Australia I think Optus and EPL as well so I think in that side of the world there's still a lot of you know there's still a lot of Strongholds in terms of the bigger brands trying to, you know, uh, in terms of street, like how do you say, uh, rights to English Premier League yeah, and all that. Yeah, no, I was just curious yeah. if there were any, any particular things that were sort of uh, jumping out. And it's, um, you know, I guess we're seeing things develop here yes. in, in New Zealand, obviously, you know, yes. Sky up. Uh, yeah, there's yes. lots going on there behind the scene, but yeah. these things seem to seem, to seem to take a long time. We've got uh, Spark now, who are you know really investing in, into uh, yeah the, the sports streaming side of, of yeah. things as well. Uh, but I'm always just curious to yeah. uh, to, to see what what things are being done in in, in different markets movie and, and what we might learn. Long form content and short form content, it is it is booming. But I think in terms of live streaming, especially pertaining to sports. They're still trying to figure out how this world works. You know, they figure out with iFlix, with, you know, movies, mm, with, mm. With, uh, with long-form content. I think with live content, they're still trying to figure out how how to really work for for an iFlix customer. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, now, on to other topics. Uh, Facebook and the media again, yeah. uh, they seem to... Uh, 
um, keep getting hammered in, in one way or another. <laughs> uh, of of course, they had uh, you know it was basically a, a massive breach uh, for Facebook, and they talked about. Uh, Fifty uh, more than fifty million accounts were um, uh, impacted yes. by some form of sort of I saw it referred to online as a login worm mm. um, that used some un- unpublished um, vulnerabilities within Facebook to steal people's session keys mm. and 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 effectively you know allow um, hackers to to gain. You know, full access to mm. people's uh, accounts and basically whatever they like. So, mm. um, a, a real, you know, a, a real mess for uh, for Facebook. And of mm. course, this is the sort of thing that gets um, you know the the European uh, Union up in arms now that they've really tightened down on um, you know privacy with uh, with GDPR. Mm. Um, so, not a not a good one for uh, for Facebook. Looks like yeah. they're. Um, you know, just just continuing to to suffer, and in most cases, we just see them bounce straight back again within a short space of time. But I, you know, I do wonder. We keep seeing uh, Facebook getting bad Reach, press yeah. and having issues. And look, not you know, you can't, you can never be a hundred percent hack proof. We, we, you know, we 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 know that or a hundred percent secure, um, but. Just the you know the sheer number of issues that Facebook yeah. are are having, uh, you know it 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 does leave me uh, you know continuing to think about this idea that maybe Facebook won't won't be you know around with the same level of dominance uh, in the long long term. Yeah. I mean it would take um, you know something pretty impressive to displace them at the moment because they do hold you know such a uh, a, a massive. Um, you know, market share with their number of users and the amount of time that's spent on there. There have certainly been some stats that have shown certain aspects of Facebook dropping off, but you know, overall, uh, they're they're generally doing uh, uh, doing very very strongly. What 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 are you seeing from a um, you know a social media perspective in terms of you know how important uh, you know Facebook is to um, uh, to brands and 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 digital agencies from that yeah. perspective? Because obviously you know Facebook keeps sort of tightening the knobs yes. and 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 making it so that brands you know don't just get sort of free access to the audience, but it's all about uh, you know handing over lots of yeah. uh, lots of money to facebook yeah i mean this this is actually quite timely because i'm i'm launching my my own uh my own agency sorry for the little plug there (laughs) uh my own agency but what i also start to realize is that in terms of where i used to run ads say three years ago in terms of the uh the guidelines or the policies that are in place it is not as as you know it's not as as how do you say as tight as what it is today Hmm. and then I think it's quite weird where I think with Facebook asking small medium enterprises to to advertise on their platform but yet uh, the policies or the terms of use the language they use is very vague and then sometimes they might break it without knowing that they actually broken the rule Hmm. so I think in terms of 
the platform itself is just because in terms of the reach that a lot of these business show sure, it gives them reach and then a lot of these small business needs reach in order for some of them to drive leads to drive conversions but I think well, just you know there's such a high yeah. percentage of the population that use Facebook exactly. right yeah. so it is that place and I mean it does give you that sort of you know pretty granular access but yes. times have changed because it was only I know in the last you know maybe two three years ago where it was a pretty common sort of discussion to have of boy it's good bang for, it's such good bang for buck yes. such good return on investment yes. to be uh, using using Facebook yes. as a as a as an advertising yes. uh, platform but those numbers are, are nowhere near as uh, you know uh, as cost effective today, shall we? You know, shall we say it's yeah. not a, not as easy, is it? Yes, and and the thing is because they, you know, Facebook does have the potential to make a small medium enterprise really, really rich if they give them the right type of audience in terms mm. of the mm. interest they target. Yeah, and then but because of that, I also feel like because of that type of data for a lot of businesses that starts off on Facebook they are handcuffed by it you know they like the idea but they know that if I go somewhere else I have to learn a new platform all over again and I'm not too sure what the numbers you know I, I think yesterday me and my partner were just talking about have we ever thought about using Bing ads? You know, what? who is actually using Bing ads? And then you look at, you know, all these sites where they, they, they inflate their numbers, but at the same time, you don't know what who you're actually talking to. But yeah. with Facebook, they put a lot of resources behind the marketing machine that shows you that, hey, if you target with this interest, we can reach this much people who have behaviors that are, that are business owners that are their they, CEOs they, they know a lot they know they? a lot yeah, they know a lot yeah, and absolutely. then for, for a new business startup or brand you you can really drill down to a really granular level of finding that my audience is the entrepreneurs hmm. and then because of that I think you have no choice but to kind of go okay Facebook we, we kind of bow down that you have this power <laughs> and I think the only time that so, you know, I think for them, a new competitor will come will come across is if it gives that type of data for for a brand or small business to kind of to to basically to to advertise their product in front of. But because now Facebook is so big, mm. you mm. kind of just have to you know close one eye and go, okay, you have the type of people that we want. You know, so therefore that's why a lot of people are willing to pay the premium price for 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 click per you know for a click per cost you yeah know? i guess where where it all changes is if people stop logging in and stop using uh using facebook and uh, you know for that to happen yeah. there has to be a yes. you know a platform that that's you know universal enough to yes. uh to to take over i mean i've got to say for me i probably would use uh, linkedin more than i would use uh, facebook these days yeah. i mean it depends um, on what you're selling right and and you know that's just yeah. the nature of the content yes. you know the content tends to be yeah. um richer if i'm yeah if i'm looking to you know catch up with friend social feeds then then fine yeah. but you know you're wanting to learn and keep up to date with with what's happening in yeah. the tech or business sectors or whatever yeah. um then yeah you will find that on facebook you'll find it in linkedin but you know there, there's a there's a difference to them and they have converged to a degree as well right yes. you know linkedin yes. is now you've got uh, uh video and and so yes. on um you know it does look a lot more like like yeah. uh like 
Facebook. So, yeah, yeah I guess we'll, 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 we'll keep seeing these things sort of evolve, yeah. evolve and, um, and transition. Now, on to uh, another another um, innovation um, or a, an innovation, I think, of, of note uh, was news about uh, a startup called Aeva, I don't know quite how you pronounce it, A-E-V-A, um, who uh, are talking up their technology as a uh, next generation sort of LiDAR sensors for um, for self-driving vehicles. So um, their, their company consists of, I think, a number of um, uh, ex-Apple engineers, and they've been working away on... Uh, on these sensors that are, you know, basically designed to give a, um, you know, a, a much much better view than your uh, traditional lidar to an autonomous uh, driving mechanism, or you know, even a uh, an in car um, uh, safety mechanism. And I thought, um, look, this is um, this is the sort of stuff that we, you know, we we need right now. Obviously, there's there's been some uh, some good successes to date with uh, with lidar and um, you know, Waymo um, used to be the the, the Google. Um, uh, autonomous uh, vehicles, you know, they've been using lidar technology, as have just about everybody else in this space, other, other than um, other than Tesla. Mm. So, look, you know, any, any things that can uh, can improve that, create a bit of competition because. The, the other aspect is sort of the price of the sensors has been quite high uh, so any new innovation you know has the potential to either you know bring down the prices of uh, uh, the you know traditional lidar uh, tech and they're referring to theirs as sort of four dimensional lidar tech uh, measuring depth re- uh, reflectivity uh, and velocity in a single uh, laser shot. Uh, basically instantaneously so um, yeah it's very um, you know very curious to uh, to see this because we haven't haven't really heard a lot about no. new sensors uh, new sensors coming through but mm-hmm. we seem to be getting awfully close yeah. to uh, uh, to where this technology will be somewhat mainstream certainly in, in parts of the US and yeah. you know of course we've got Waymo who are you know have, have said look you know, this year you'll be able to, you know, ditch your your Uber app, and uh, and and uh, I think at least in, in parts of uh, Arizona, run the Waymo app, and you call a vehicle for rides, and it will just be you know open to uh, basically open to the general public, and the vehicle will turn up, pick you up, and yep. take you to wherever you want to go with uh, with no driver. And of course, there's a level of that that's already uh, testing, but. Uh, I mean, what's what's your thought? Do we do we need this new tech, or what we got is good enough? You know, Waymo have certainly showed off some some impressive stats around how safe yeah. their their technology is. I think it all comes down to testing, right? And then I think for a lot of us, you know, I think we still like the idea. I think as humans, we still like the idea that someone's behind a wheel. Mm-hmm. And I think with this, it's a great idea. You know, yes, you're 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 creating self driving cars that can kind of uh, track or kind of can see where they're going as well. I think that's mm. an amazing idea from a tech perspective. But I think a lot of people like the idea, but I have a feeling that when you get in the car, I think as humans, we like the sense of control. 
and then because if you're sitting there without much of a control do you like control I what like, happens when you're in a car and somebody else is driving in a way that you don't like I I would tell them to slow down <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the thing right I think as as I think we are born to kind of to have some sort of control so that we know I think so that we know we we're not you know, we're not doing some. I think it's a, it's a human reaction. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a sense of control, whether in its most minute way or a lot of it. So I think this, the idea, I think for me, I'm still trying to soak it in. If I were to sit in a car that is just me at the back seat and no one in front, I think for me, there will be a lot of, I think I can't just sit there on my phone and go, yep, you're going to take me to the place I need to go. I think I'll be much more alert. And then, just see how it drives I think by the time I get out of the car I'll be less stressed so I think I like the idea but I think we we as humans we're not at that stage to accept that from a very you know from an emotional <laughs> point of view yeah, just yeah, yet yeah. I mean I'm look I might be in a sense where there are some people like look this is amazing this is where the world needs to be but I still think you know we see it in Blade Runner we see it in you know movies like this but I think we still like the idea that hey if we want to turn if there's a shortcut what this I mean this is an interesting question if there's a shortcut that I always take in my car would the system know that or was the system kind of check their system you know check within the database and go hey this is actually a fastest way how do you handle that today when you're in a uh, Uber or you're in, oh, Asia, tell you're in a Grab? You, you, if you they're stuck in, in say, traffic, if they know, hey, how yeah. about this approach? Exactly. Look, if yeah. I know they're approaching traffic and then I know that by turning right, by taking the back street, you actually get to your destination a bit quicker, I would tell the Uber but driver. They might, they might downrank you if you're, uh, if you're, if you're backseat, <laughs> backseat driving driver. too much, right? It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious to see yes. how, that, how that side will play out. You know, I have a feeling that, that once, you know, it won't take us too long to exactly. get used to it. Yes. Right? For instance, I cannot remember the first time that I jumped into a, um, you know, one of these sort of um, little train type things at a at a airport where you jump in and it takes you from one terminal to another. Yeah. There's no one driving it. It just you know it just yeah. does its thing. Now that's obviously you know much simpler, but yes. still you know we see train crashes still happening yes. around the world. Yes. You know to this day, which you know the mind boggles why the technology. You know they they can't talk to each other and that they can they can avoid that on a yes. you know train track for goodness sake. But anyway, yeah. um, so you know that sort of situation you you do th- well. Okay, I've got used to that. It's not perfect, but it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean I imagine you know once we've taken yes. and it will vary probably from yes. person to person enough rides. Presuming that the press coverage is not too scary yes. and and so on, then yeah. we'll get. We'll get comfortable with it, yeah. but look on the flip side. If if things don't work out well, we have some really bad stories. Uh, you might find nobody nobody exactly. wants to jump in yeah. these things, yeah. and um, yeah, we, we've had one or two bad ones yeah. already. So no, it's, it's, it's an it's an interesting one to see the um, yeah the oh, the other comment that I that I read around this it said. Um, yeah, typically you have separate LiDAR, separate camera, and separate motion sensors, and then they get fused uh, together, basically, and, you know, the, the computer sort of, you know, puts all that data together, and the, this this new product is basically pulling all that together sort of in one um, 
in one hit, and um, you know, so so it it means it's it's you know quicker and easier for them to make or for the autonomous driving system mm. to make its decisions. Now, mm. you know, hopefully it makes those things uh, correctly, but certainly, you know, anything that improves the consistency and the speed of a system uh, like this, I you know, I'm sure is important. And if nothing else, just again bringing down um, the cost of mm. all the all the compute elements. Although I guess this being a new sensor, uh, it, it potentially um, you know cost wise, it, it might not be so competitive, but yes. it, it'll play into the um, you know the overall ecosystem. So I think it's got to be good. Um, now on to uh, on to Google now now known as uh, Alphabet. They hit uh, they hit their um, twenty years mm. la- last week. That Twentieth anniversary, um, so I had a little bit of a chat with um, the crew from TV Over Three about this for uh, the project uh, last Friday, and the, I mean there were just so many aspects to kind of think about with yeah. Google. Right? It was kind of it was hard to know what things to raise because this this is a you know massive company there, you know consistently w- within the. Uh, the top five uh, companies by market cap in yep. the in the in the US, but very much a global entity with with incredible presence everywhere. They've they've certainly you know I think transformed everybody's life to a you know to a degree. Yes. Obviously, it, it varies you know who you are and so on. But you know just that that sheer simplicity of being able to go online and and do a google search and yes. generally get a you know a really good uh, a really good answer whatever yeah. it is you want to ask yeah. and whether it's something that you know you might not be comfortable asking a person about but you can go in and uh, you know ask google yes. for or you know do a search get get some sort of uh, input um, you know that in itself is sort of yeah. is pretty transformative in the instant nature of yes. it. The, you know, in the old days we wanted to look up info. I mean, it's kind of hard to even just Where to, is your hard to um, you know, it's hard to sort of put together yeah. like how did we do stuff before Google? I mean, yeah. I remember being being sent sort of you know CDs with with knowledge bases, and that was just for you know uh, information about one particular sort of series of of products. Products, yeah. right? And, um, you know, I remember reading encyclopedias. And oh. It's sort of like, you know, now we've got, you know, Google, we've got YouTube, yes. two, you know, incredible search engines. Mm. Um, and and then, you know, re- literally, you know, hundreds of other things from um, that fall under the broader sort of uh, alpha, alphabet picture. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I guess in, you know, in the, in the digital world and mm. the, the, the media world, um, you know, Google, they launched their search, they moved quite quickly into yep. what gets often referred to as CPM advertising, yes. sort of, you know, cost yes. per per thousand. So you could, you know, you could buy an ad on on Google and I you know, I can't remember what the what the rates used to be off the top of my head, but I you know, it might have been you know, a typical might have been, you know, twenty dollars US uh, to display an ad, you know, a thousand times, yeah. and I still remember the day they flicked the switch and went from that to pay per click advertising, uh, and the price in some case was was one percent. Once they flicked that switch of what it was the day before, yeah. and I think that was the big thing that that 
really made Google so incredibly successful yes. and made it relevant to everyone, right? You know, um, it just about any business could advertise on yes. Google in those early days. You could you could get a click from a Google search onto your website yes. for one cent US. Now, yes. you know, depending on the space, those yeah. numbers sort of change yeah. pretty quickly and it could cost yeah. a, a lot of money to get a click off Google yeah. these days. I mean, look, Google has has built or has helped a lot of digital agencies become really, really, really rich. And then what I mean by that is because the un- of the, the, the tools, you know, when it comes to SEO, when it comes to all these types of, um, you know, ad products that they have, they have made not only agencies who know, you know, who knows the ins and outs of, of SEO uh, marketing to, to businesses who wants to push their product based on a specific keyword they're buying into, yeah, you know it has become such a interesting space by itself. If you get the right, if you get if you buy into a keyword that is a, a buying keyword, as they say, then then in in that regards, then you have a very hot keyword for that business. So I think what Google has done and what is incredible about this is that they have been consistent. I input my query, I, plac- I, I click the button, and I get the results that I want. They have not changed that type of process for the last 20 years. Yeah, and lots then, of little tweaks along the tweaks, way. Yes. And, and yes. you know, if you talk about SEO yeah. or search engine optimization um, as it is in, in full, you know, yeah. that's been an interesting thing to, to follow. Yes. And, and as you say, yeah, you can make or break, you know, a business based yeah. on you know where you land in the search results but i guess there's there's that sort of get out of jail for a business who isn't able to land in the main results that can you know yeah, drop in and exactly. pay for the pay per click exactly. ads it might be very expensive um, but yeah you can you know you, yeah. you as long as you you're uh, able to be found through uh, through one of those you know yeah. you, you could launch a business tomorrow that has no customers and nothing. You don't have to wait for the next edition of the Yellow Pages to come out yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it used to be a decade or two ago. Yeah. You, know, you can you can launch a business, and if you've got the funds to, um, you know, pay for per, right per, per, yeah, per click advertising, keywords, yeah. yeah, you can get away. And, you know, as you say, that it's a lot of digital agencies, a lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, there, there, there really has been, a um, you know, a, a huge impact. Right? Yes, but, and again, is is become such a big impact to the point where a lot of keywords are just so saturated now. So it is good, but also at the same time for a lot of businesses who don't have much marketing budget, it becomes quite a hot space to get into. Because if you don't have a big budget of a big brand, then it's hard to to buy the right type of keywords for you to be prominent, especially on the first page. I guess that's you know? where you look for those more obscure ones, right? That, <laughs> yes. That's the thing you, yes. know, you go for those sort of yes. often called sort of long long, tail. longer yeah, tail type, exactly. um, you know, type searches. Yeah, yeah. And look, if you know if you're a you're a small business, you know you don't necessarily need to have a massive load of customers, but if you can. Yeah, you, you referred to sort of you know yeah. dom, dominate um, some of those searches. Even if yes. they're smaller searches, they can be uh, they can be very very uh, valuable. Yes. And look, uh, you know, I think it's some of this is incredibly you know important yes. to uh, to businesses today to yes. uh, to to understand that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I guess that the area of search engine optimization. I you know often hear people saying, "Oh, search engine optimization's dead." Well. Mm. Um, 
yes and no. Look, there are still lots of businesses that yes. don't that don't do the basics, and therefore. Uh, look, they're, they're not appearing where they should be in the yeah. results, and I'll often come across a, you know, an organizer or a, a business that's maybe, you know, been the dominant company in their space. They may yeah. be the biggest and the most successful, but when you search for what they do in a particular area, yeah. they're they're not actually coming up at the top of the results. Yeah. So they're leaving it wide wide open for competitors to sort of, yeah. you know, slide in or, or other ones that are maybe a. You know, um, you know the second or third biggest player, but they're uh, uh, they're they're likely going backwards because yeah. they haven't they haven't followed the yeah. you know the the basics. Yeah. So um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's funny. They even you know here we are. Google's twenty years in, and some businesses still are not taking this aspect no. of of technology right. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it's fair to say you 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 look at the way that small businesses generally yeah. uh, utilize and and leverage yeah. tech. And digital mechanisms for the successes, you know, the success of their their organisations. And uh, look, every business has you know one or more shortcomings. Yeah, um, yeah. Some just happen to have a have a whole lot yeah. and make it a lot easier yeah. for their competition. And plus, Google is 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 you know vying for attention from other platforms as well. You know, like back in the days, you only had Google. Where now you had. You know, depending on the type of business you are and the type of audience you're going after, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have big, you have YouTube, mm. and Amazon is and Amazon, is, yes, is, is the yes. big one now, right? And yes. uh, you know, if you if you look at the US, and um, you know, I've you know, I've been looking at some of the stats recently, and uh, you know, Amazon is is getting you know referred to as as the most profitable. Yeah. Um, you know, place uh, in terms of the, the value of the searches because yes. people are going, to buy. <laughs> going into Amazon, they're ready I mean, to buy, yes. and they're inside the mechanism that will let them do basically a one-click buy now, yes. uh, done and dusted, and you can do it with your voice as well, with yes. your Amazon uh, Amazon Echo. And, of course, it's, you know, voice assistance. That's one of the many spaces that oh. uh, that, that Google yes. Alphabet are in, uh, Gmail, G Suite. Um, yes. Boston Dynamics is, is something they've now divested, but certainly, yeah. uh, you know, very interesting area for them to to buy into there for uh, yeah. for for a few years. Um, you know, I guess quite a bit of controversy around um, you know where that business will yeah. go and whether it's space Google should have been in Waymo. We've talked about Google Maps. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be pretty hard to list off all of the all yes. of the things that they're involved in, but. Uh, overall, you know, very, very dominant with with what they've done cloud wise. It had a huge impact on Microsoft. You know, they really put the boot into Microsoft. Yes. I think from you know a whole number of number of perspectives. Yeah. You mentioned Bing a little bit earlier, and you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you laugh, and yeah. they are pretty la- laughable in most markets yeah. around the world. That you know, yep, you get a new Windows computer, and it's sort of forced to default to uh, <laughs> uh, Bing on the you know your built-in browsers, so yeah. they get a little bit of market share there. Yeah. Um, they do have they do have um, I think you know partly through their their um, part partnerships in, in the US, such as you know Yahoo and yeah. and so on, um, you know they actually have a slice of the market there, and it actually seems to work yeah. uh, work pretty well within the US yeah. market, but pretty much everywhere else in the world, it's uh, uh, it's and not a good competitor to uh, to, to Google and uh, and and Google dominate. But, but from a business point of view, the CPC is lower because in terms of 
of businesses who who might not have the bigger budget yeah, can if you're utilize looking to advertise yeah, exactly. lower cost per click yeah. Um, yeah. for 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 ads uh, you know p- potentially on Bing in some cases I don't I'm not sure that that's always the case but there there are some cases certainly where yeah. uh, um, not so much attention is is paid to them but uh, when you're in a small market like New Zealand there's so few ads to go around it's uh, uh, because there's so yeah. few that are, that are searching yeah. for their stuff it's yes. um, it's probably not generally that that great but I'm sure there, there are some situations mm. um, so yeah I mean it's uh, Something you could probably you could probably spend a few shows sort of diving into all they've done, but uh, you know I think that they hold a pretty important place yes. within within the broader uh, technology world. I would um, I would like to see their their successes in some of the other fields translate out a little bit more from a financial perspective. Mm. I think uh, the last figure I looked at indicated about 87% of their revenues are coming from advertising either either on their own sites or through uh, you know partner mm. partner sites with uh, with Google uh, AdSense and so on. So they're only only about 13% of the um, alphabet revenue is coming from um, those other sources yeah. like you know G Suite and yeah. Um, yeah Google Maps and so on. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, yeah very 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 interesting to see how how their other areas yeah. sort of uh, do translate over time into profitability. Yeah. They've certainly been a company that tries lots of stuff and kills lots yeah. of stuff off. Um, but I don't think that you know that no. puts people off uh, too much from mm. from paying attention yeah. when they do. Uh, when they do do launch something, certainly the social media side has yeah. has probably been there uh, uh, where they've had some oh, of their biggest, uh, biggest failings, eh? <laughs> but uh, but to your Urquhart point, and uh, and, yeah. and Google Plus. Plus right? no, but yeah. to your point, I think what we must not kind of forget from Google is that for the last twenty years, everyone, I think, like you said, it has become an, an extension of someone's life. You know, like we cannot forget how what the impact from a lifestyle point of view Google has on us, from a you know from through from maps to from search. I think that is something that I think even for me you should tip your head off in that regards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, incredible, yeah. incredible success. You yeah. know, from yeah. from you know a, a couple of students twenty years ago to now one one of you know one of the most dominant and exactly. well known brands yeah. uh, in the world. And one of the uh, the most successful you know performers from yes. a, uh, a, a you know a profit and um, uh, revenue perspective. Mm. Uh, now on to a couple of other topics. Uh, there's been a bit of media coverage around electronic voting or mm. e-voting in New Zealand, and this uh, this this move of move from uh, local government uh, New Zealand talking about issuing a tender for an online voting system uh, to be used uh, next year for nine council elections, uh, which would include Auckland, Hamilton and, and Wellington, to sort of sit alongside uh, postal voting. Now, this is really, really curious to me because there's a part of me that says, look, we, we have an issue... Uh, with the fact that not enough people vote in mm. in council elections, so that's a that's a challenge to to democracy, right? Mm. When you when you have too few people uh, voting, it means we you know we potentially get out of 
out of balance. Mm. Um, so the idea of being able to vote from a, a mobile device, something mm. like that, uh, from an ease of use perspective and reaching, you know, some of the um, some of the people who might not bother to go out mm. and vote in, in those uh, council elections um, is actually somewhat, you know, somewhat interesting mm. and and you know potentially exciting for democracy. But then on the flip side, yeah. you've got this huge challenge that electronic voting just seems to have seems to have failed everywhere, and we know that you just can't guarantee. You know, cyber security at all, anywhere, <laughs> yes. basically, right? There's yeah. no way to ensure yeah. absolute uh, absolute safety. So uh, there, there's been you know a fair bit of coverage and discussion on Twitter uh, around the you know the, this particular um, topic over the last. Uh, few days, and yeah, I don't think we have any good examples uh, to look at wor- worldwide. Um, just curious, what what your thoughts are? Do you you know do you think that there's a there's a way we can we can move to some sort of a um, safe and secure uh, electronic voting system that you know I don't know exactly. What bits and pieces we would have to um, pull together, but you know we seem pretty happy and pretty generally pretty safe in terms of transacting with banks. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we do digitally today without too much drama or risk. the The question the question would be, I guess, bearing in mind that there are going to be shortcomings and failings with electronic voting. Do the benefits outweigh the disadvantages? Because you know we're looking at two imperfect yes. options. One is offline traditional voting Ignorant, via yep. mail and what have you. Um, the other, uh, you know, a, digi- a digital system. Yeah, I think it's interesting because in Malaysia, and this is me kind of using my my experience from that side of the world, is that certain you know certain smaller states yep. are taking on board. Uh, e-voting. Now, the interesting perspective about that is that they're using it as a way to, as you mentioned, to to just get people to because they know that they're always on their phone, so it makes sense. Hey, look, you know, you're not bothered to kind of get out of your seat to go vote, so we're gonna we're gonna bring voting to you, you know, for like a better word. Yeah, and then it seems to have a positive. I think uh, in terms of the coverage and all that in that side of the world. Mm. Now, again, you know, again, there's your there's your you know imperfect world where things like this might be easily hacked due to due to cybersecurity. But I think it depends on, I mean, the intention behind it as well. The reason why I'm saying this is because for a small state like in Malaysia, because they realize that convincing people a to small line state up, in Malaysia is probably more population than uh, all of New Zealand though John <laughs> well Auckland yeah <laughs> I mean but that's interesting to me as, as, uh, on this topic because I think for them they are just using what the country is going through which is mm. a spike mm. of uh, just individuals using their phones so much that lining up or anything that might just put a dent in their day in terms of con- inconveniency 
So it makes sense from a lifestyle perspective. But what you mentioned is because some, you know, for a country like New Zealand where democracy is being practiced, and then it's where people will take their right to go out and vote. Mm -hmm. So that's why, do you need it? Not necessary yet. But because I think that side of the world is because everyone's on their phone. And it's just another way to say, look, I know that you might be lazy, so we're going to bring this system to you. So there's no reason for you to not vote. So I think, yes, it's imperfect, but I think they're finding a reason why this should exist in that side of the world, Mm -hmm. which is a growth in everyone on their phone. Where here, I think we we still like the idea that I've ticked something on the ballot box. I've dropped it. I walked out. I'm happy. With, well, we want to know, you know that our systems exactly. haven't been tampered with. Exactly. And, and, you know, in different parts of the world, exactly. non-digital voting systems yeah. get tampered with, right? Yes. We look around the world. Yes. Um, you know, there, there have been numerous um, situations where we've seen very, you know, very imperfect voting systems. Yes. So, you know, because we have a system that's been that's – been, um, you know, I, I I think from everything I've read, something that we can rely mm. on, the idea of going to a system that could be manipulated or could be hacked, yeah. yeah, I think that would be, you know, that would really do people's heads in. Of course. And we, we you know, we do have so much, um, yeah, so much confidence in the current systems. But I think that we should... St- we should start looking at it, but to say that we would flick the switch for next year, it's a bit too that, fast, that yeah. to me, um, I, you know, I'm just not sure that, that that we could be at a level where people would have that sort confidence, of confidence. Yeah. And I would hate to see New Zealand on a, you know, on sort of a slippery slope yeah. where where our, you know, our confidence in our democracy were to sort of be... Yes. be Degraded, but yeah. um, look, it's. I think it's a it's a really uh, a really challenging one because yeah. I don't know. Do we have to ever get to a digital voting system at some point in time, or or could the world in a hundred years still be using and and um, you know a somewhat you know traditional analog paper, voting system? Paper, yeah. I I don't know the answer to that, well, but I, it, but it does <laughs> seem really out of step to me. Yeah. That, yeah, that that's a particular area that that is Focus. you know um, less less uh, you know less digital than just about anything else. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd hate us to stuff it up and just sort of yeah. you know jump in unless we had a whole lot yeah. of layers that sort of could could guarantee. And I yeah. can imagine a few ways that we could do that and put it in place yeah. and 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 you know be sure, which yeah. might. Um, yeah, but it's hard. Also, there, there's yeah. that um, the privacy aspect of it yes. too, right? We don't want um, yeah. somebody to find to be able to, you know, to to know how we've uh, how we voted. As soon as you start put, shoving yeah. the stuff into a database and having yeah. confidence and audit trails and yeah. so on, then um, someone can go in and see, yeah. you know, who 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 voted. Yeah. So there, there would be a huge amount of work that needs to go into that. And um, yeah. to to that point, there was a. I mean, I just recently read it is a landmark two year study in the U.S., which basically concluded that. U.S. should just stick with paper ballots. <laughs> oh, they're evo they're you e-voting know? systems, and they're, and they're not, you know, they're, they're not yeah. particularly advanced. Yeah. Have been an absolute shocker. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it's um, just it's yeah. just that it's you know when when you come to that conclusion that 
te- there's no technologically guarantees in this space, yeah. then you're absolutely right. Is that yes, it's good to be first, but let's be right about it rather than just for the sake of being first. Yeah. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. 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 So maybe we just. You know, <laughs> take this topic off and look at it again in a, in a decade. Maybe just give up and say humanity is not good enough for this one yet. Yeah. Um, okay, enough around e-voting. Um, the other thing on Friday that I was uh, I got sort of roped into was a discussion um, with, uh, with with uh, TVNZ uh, One News around this idea, this um, terror fugia um, flying car. Now, this is something the videos and whatnot have been floating around on the net for uh, a, a couple a couple of years, but uh, a, a report out of... Um, out of the UK was basically saying, "Look, come um, come October, these are going to be up for pre-sale. No confirmation of a price and so yeah. on, but the idea of a of a of a car that could transform yeah. into uh, you know in, into a flying vehicle." Look, I'm usually pretty upbeat on the you know the idea of of new forms of transport. Yeah. Um, and I know that uh, uh, you know this particular one has has some pretty uh, impressive sort of you know backing uh, financially and so on. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of money has gone uh, gone into it, and apparently had some sort of uh, certification as a light sport aircraft from the um, uh, the FAA Federal Federal Aviation Administration in, in 2016. Um, but look, you know, we just we haven't seen the footage at all. You know, most of the stuff flying around still now uh, seems to be computer generated. Um, look, you know, we've got all sorts of tests of lots of different vehicles, and some of them are, you know, cars that can fly. Um, but the ones that have been more exciting to me yeah. are the idea of these sort of autonomous electric sort of air taxis where yeah. you would just rent them for a slice of time rather than go out and buy one, have to get your pilot's license and all of that. Uh, I don't know that um, just it just doesn't it doesn't fully add up for me. I'm sure there would be a percentage of the market would buy them, but if you look today, yeah. you know how many friends do you have that own helicopters? <laughs> I mean, you might have fifty friends, but you know there's not. Not too many people I know that um, you know that can afford a helicopter. I imagine this is sort of within that sort of price range. Uh, you've then got all the safety, the yeah. safety challenges. You've got to get your your license. And and look, airplane, private airplanes and helicopters need a huge amount of yes. maintenance. Yes. Um, so it just seems like it'd be to me. It seems like it'd be a big gamble to buy one of these, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You, know you go on Kickstarter and order something, and it doesn't arrive, or the company's around for a few months, months and it all falls yeah. over. You know, you spend I don't know a few hundred thousand dollars um, or or more on yeah. a, on a flying car, yeah. and they go out of business in twelve months. I mean, yeah. you you kind of left high and dry. Yeah. And then there's the aspect: what if the jolly thing falls out of the air? Yeah. I think they're talking about some sort of parachute <laughs> to save you. But you know, I don't think the AA are going to be uh, you know coming around to fix up yeah. your uh, flying car. So yeah. I don't know. It just just seems oh. seems like this one could be. Um, I would I would imagine that it's easier to build a flying car than to figure out how air traffic works, <laughs> because it seems like it is in the process, and a lot of companies are are taking on this challenge to be the first one to have a flying car. But look. I think when when drone became a thing, there was 
you know, there was laws that are put in place that your drone can't fly within a certain vicinity within a city. So if that's the case, I don't, I do not want to be a lawmaker for someone that goes, all right, here's the car that can fly now. So what would that, you know, how would air traffic fit into? I think that to me is a much more fascinating space. Yeah, well, that's know? got all, all its own challenges, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, my thinking on this is, as you, you kind of need to sort of hand it over to technology to a degree. If we're going to oh. have a lot more vehicles, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've got to have some really smart yes. ways where these things can, you know collision avoidance and you know they can communicate yeah. there are mechanisms you know yeah. at the moment yeah. uh, you know you jump in somebody's private plane and uh, look they're, they're jumping on they're jumping on the radio and, and having a chat to air traffic control you know to avoid, um, yeah, to avoid and saying hey we're here we're going to go here we want to go up to exactly. you know we want to fly at this height air traffic might control well no we'll move you down in exactly. slightly slower airspace or a bit higher yeah. um, so, you know so just add that on top of all the maintenance Costs and the yeah. all the other you know challenges and it's uh, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Look, never say never. I think that you know th- this stuff absolutely can happen. But in terms of it being relevant to a a really broad percentage of the population, I'm yeah. uh, I'm I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not super convinced. And then you've got to squeeze these things into uh, the little car park under your apartment, and in a lot of cases, and now you know. And now, um, more populated areas that we're, yeah. we're becoming more like other international cities where people don't have too much space. I think I was reading it somewhere that in order for a car to to basically have that lift and that noise, apparently, is louder than most helicopters. And then, so imagine and you know having to wake you know if you go to work at 6 a.m. in the morning i do not want to be that neighbor that lives to a a very rich and wealthy person that happens to just buy a flying car (laughs) well yeah and there's been there's been a bit of coverage around one particular rich lister in new zealand who's got a a, you know he's, he's got a sort of james bond style um uh, boat shed that basically opens up and uh, or, you know reconfigures itself so the helicopter can can uh, I think you know land on it and whatnot and look you know <laughs> very 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 cool but yeah the neighbours they've got to deal with that and there's been uh, yeah. yeah a bit of bit of dissatisfaction so yep. yeah one or, one or two challenges all minor challenges. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. Now, uh, a couple of other things wanted to chat about before we uh, before we finish up. Um, Microsoft Surface Go. Mm. I had that for a few weeks to try it, which is a smaller f- uh, form factor tablet. Yeah. Um, at the end of that, and you know, admittedly, I hadn't maybe spent as much time on it as I would have liked, but it, it sort of it did disappoint me a bit. Uh, just didn't seem as reliable as as I would have expected, and even at the end when I was resetting the device to send back to them, you know, I went in and said, you know, re- reset this device. You know, came back the next day and it was stuck on re on resetting itself. It was just <laughs> yeah. okay. You know, here we are. Uh, another situation where I unplugged it from my screen. It had been running on. All looked good. I thought, oh, I'll just I'll take this into a meeting to yeah. uh, to take notes to give yeah. it a little little bit of a run. Yeah. And look, this may well have been fixed by a firmware update, but you know, I I didn't want to spend 
too long, you know, yeah. going through all these hoops. It was a new device out of the box. It should have worked. Yeah. Um, worked very nice uh, through a USB-C cable onto my docking monitor. It was great. But I unplugged it from that, took it into a meeting. I must have power cycled about three or four times in that meeting trying to get something useful up on the screen, and it would not come up. Plugged it straight back in uh, at the office, docked it into the monitor, and it all came back <laughs> up fine. Yeah. But I could not use that yeah. um, in this one particular meeting. So that is not on my um, you know hot list of recommended gadgets. Got yeah. a lot of promise, as I say. Probably you know give it a few firmware updates and it'll probably come right yes. as most of the other Surface devices do seem to get better with with those continuous updates that Microsoft throw at them. Um, Apple Watch Four still still just getting um, getting used to that, but um, you know first impressions are good. The the bigger screen certainly um, you know is is very nice, so it's a good uh, a good good step up. Um, one gadget that we will talk about in another episode, and there's a few other bits and pieces I've been playing with, but is I just wanted to mention is uh, Keezel. Now this is a oh, a little gadget. Um, I left it left it in my office, but um, it, it's it's a bit bigger than a big um, cell phone, uh, and it is basically multiple functions. So it's got a reasonably chunky battery in it, so you can you know you can use it to provide power to you know your phones and gadgets. But its main purpose is to be a little portable VPN router or virtual private network router. So you can take this on holiday wherever you go. And you you uh, manage it through your smartphone. You hook it onto whatever Wi-Fi is available, and then it reshares that Wi-Fi. So this can be useful in some hotels that only give you kind of you know one device on the Wi-Fi. It reshares that Wi-Fi signal to um, you know five plus devices, um, and it can establish a, a VPN connection. So that gives you some privacy to your uh, communications, which is is pretty important if you're just using public Wi-Fi. And also, you can choose where that uh, virtual private network terminates. So, if you want to appear as though you're in the US to get access to, you know, some some sort of streaming uh, mm. service that's US based, and it gives you that, or maybe you're travelling away from New Zealand, mm. uh, but you'd like to actually get back into the content you usually watch in New Zealand, yeah. um, then that gives you that access. You know, the subscriptions that you're already paying for in New Zealand that should should hook you back in. Now, um, had some success with it, um, but I'm waiting. To hear back from their team at the moment because when I tried it out to to do a VPN uh, terminating in New Zealand, it had had some the performance was a bit poor, long ping times. But I tried it to other places in the world and it worked really nicely. Mm. So um, you know, for those who are into this sort of thing, haven't heard of it before, Kiesel, K double E Z D L, um, worth looking up. But look, I'll I'll um, share a bit more about it once I've uh, spent some more time with it. But it is quite a unique product. It's actually been around in a few markets mm. uh, for a, f- a number of years since launching through. Um, a crowdfunding campaign, um, price starting around three fifty four hundred dollars up to about nine hundred dollars mm. with a you know a, a lifetime um, with a lifetime sort of VPN subscription. You know, of course, be be cautious with those sorts of things. Um, be, 
you know, because you know, you can never know how long a company's going to be around. Yeah. They offer a lifetime service. Is good if they're owned by a big global entity who yeah. promises to keep them running for twenty years. Um, you know, but there's not necessarily a guarantee. That said, these guys have been around, I think, about five years now, so um, they could well be in in the market quite long term. They've obviously built up a customer base, and uh, you know, likely somewhat sustainable. So, um, yeah, kind of. Uh, kind I'm a of a fan. Cool, cool product, yeah? yeah, yeah. I mean, after looking at their their video and, and how they kind of, I think, I think because I'm currently using a VPN and it kind of ch- it eats up most of my memory on my on my laptop. Yeah. So I think if this kind of takes away that that clunkiness, then it's something that I would definitely buy. Because, yeah. Oh, from an ease of use yes. perspective, once you get it, you know, set up, seem pretty good. I imagine getting onto some Wi-Fi networks where you have yeah. to sort of feed it extra yeah. information could be a little bit harder. Yeah. But, um, but I think you know, it doesn't the, take the, much. The places you, yeah. where I tried it, it was um, you know pretty pretty easy. I got to awesome. say. Um, so yeah, all right. Well, that's us for this week. Thank you, John. Oh, Very nice to catch up. I know it is. It feels uh, we- feels amazing to be back and in on this this legendary NZ Tech podcast. Oh, thanks, Mike. John. Now, where do yeah. people track you down? Where are you uh, most often um, these days? Is it still Twitter? You <laughs> used to be big on Twitter. Oh, uh, I'm. Funny enough, I think I've jumped back onto Twitter, so it's still the same handle. I'm I'm John Lai, and then yeah, I think it's just interesting to to jump on that platform now. Where you know, I think one could thank uh, Mr. Trump. Now Twitter is all suddenly relevant to most people's life. But yeah, if you want to find me, it's mostly most most of my time. Uh, is is there so excellent yeah. excellent well people can track me down online as well just at Paul Spain on uh, Twitter and Facebook I'm on uh, LinkedIn there as well and of course you can uh, you can find all of our uh, podcasts at either podcasts.nz or worldpodcast.com so uh, growing catalogue of podcasts there some pretty interesting ones uh, if you're into golf you might want to check out a new show that's just started um, the Global Golf Podcast uh, with a couple of well known uh, sports journalists and we're, we're, we're just experimenting with that one at the moment so um, I'll, I'll leave it at that but if you're curious about golf go and have a have a listen I would love to hear your feedback um, a, as we take a couple of sort of um, uh, journos who have been around in, in the broadcasting world for a long time and experiment with uh, with dragging them uh, kicking and screaming no that's too extreme but uh, you know w- with introducing them to the world of um, uh, of podcasts and yeah would would be great to get uh, get a little bit of feedback so uh, I I know there's uh, there's a bunch of you that are uh, uh, into into your golf and so um, yeah be, it'll be really really interesting to hear some uh, some thoughts on our uh, on our approach with that show and uh, and you know whether whether we've got it right or if you've got some uh, some suggestions so yeah well that's us for this week thanks everyone we'll catch you again uh, same time next week see ya thank you the new zealand tech podcast brought to you by gorilla technology proactive and strategic it